You are listening to the Rumble Pack, recorded for Thursday, August 3rd, 2017, episode With me to get things righted because it has been a while since we've recorded an episode is uh, one lonely Neil Wagner. Wait, why am I lonely? It's just because you're the only person that that we're gonna we're just the two of us are just talking, so you're just a lone other co-host. It's a, it's a very insulting intro to me. No, it's okay. It works out to be perfect uh, because you're sad and lonely. You ended up buying a switch. <laughs> This <laughs> is not helping the cause at all. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, because because you make bad decisions, you bought a switch. Now you made you've been like I think I made a great decision. Yeah, I which think, is I think the decisions that that led me up to my hunt for the switch and the actions I undertook during the hunt were sad and lonely. But the actual purchase was a great decision. Yeah, you were pretty covetous of a switch a while back, like when you had that set of business trips. Is that what so, is that what pushed you over the edge? Like what what triggered you to go on this journey, this sojourn for Switchdom? I think it was the combo of having some business trips where I took my my Vita with me and <laughs> What if this had good games? <laughs> and you were like, fuck, that'd be yeah, good. Yeah, it was. It was kind of the Well, actually I was playing a great game. I downloaded uh Bastion, which oh, yeah. Bastion is a phenomenal game. For a mobile system, it's something that didn't really connect with me to sit down and play it on a console. But having it where I was playing in a hotel room, where I was playing at the the bar and restaurant attached to the hotel, that was like a ideal way for me for playing Bastion. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, once you're a bus- so- once you're on a business trip as an adult and you're married, and if like you're not into infidelity, you're just there doing nothing. So you can actually go to like a hotel bar with a video game system order a drink, and if someone gives you a weird look, you can just look at them right back in the eyes and tell them to go to hell. <laughs> and I was in both the uh, the absolute example of a place where you didn't want, where you would feel super uncomfortable going out on your own, but also a great place to sit and play a game. I was in Portland, <laughs> so <laughs> I was, the, uh, the trip I was there for, I was like in the super kind of artsy area of Portland. Oh, of course. Um, Wait, the, isn't that the uh, whole thing? Like, is there a shitty area? No, this, I think this was, I think this is like the actual, the, the, the epicenter of it. Oh, um, this is where ground zero, where patient zero <laughs> came from for the hipster exactly. disease. Okay. Yeah. So no, all the restaurants in the area were really good, but they were also very much geared towards you know, young people going out and hanging out and eating in groups. So everything's very close, very small, a lot of shared tables. It's like, I don't want any of this. Tell, me you, sat, tell me you sat there and played a Vita. Like, I didn't want to sit there and talk to anyone, but the hotel I was staying in had a brewery on, on site. Oh, of course. 
Actually, you can't have a commercial property in Portland without a brewery being attached to it. Exactly. So it w- I was able to go and just hang out in the in the bar area and just sample beers all night and no one bothered me because there are a lot of people that were just really nerding out and just reading and hanging out at at the brewery bar. Oh, that's cool. Which is perfect. Yeah, it was a perfect situation for playing for playing a system and it was one of those things where I was like, wow, I, I really want something that has more games to it. So that was kind of like, okay, I'm seeing the, and I know I have more trips coming up. So I see the necessity, not the necessity. Necessity. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I need a truck it's a too. Real, it's a real privileged <laughs> answer right there. Really. I hope you feel bad about that one. <laughs> oh, so, God. Oh. I really felt like, hey, this is something I want to I want to have now. Yeah, thank you for and rephrasing got, it. <laughs> yeah. So now, <laughs> you know, incidentally, I was in Portland for a privilege related workshop too. <laughs> so, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> All right. Well, whatever. I mean, that's the thing. So was, um, so that would start pushing me towards it because I have more travel coming up this year as well. And then hearing you talk, you and Justin and Eckardino talk about the switch and, and Tony really, yeah. Well, t- Tony had picked it up. But he hadn't really talked to him about oh, it last true. time I talked to him. True. He ordered it from QVC, didn't he? I think he got off like home shopping. He got numbers. something weird. I wouldn't worry about it. Convinced me this is something. I, this is something I wanted, but I set parameters for myself. I set how I was going to do it. What were your What were your limitations? You were not willing to stoop so low to do blank. <laughs> I wasn't willing to stoop so low as to go onto eBay and buy it. I did look. I did look. Okay, so you weren't going to buy from a reseller. You were going to get. Buy a, from real, I wasn't going to go with the gray market. Were you go? And, were you willing to do the website trackers? Were you willing to do the like? I'm going to check instock.org or whatever it is every day. I did. I was. I had the website tracker up. I had a Google alert set. Oh man, a what Google is, alert yeah. for like switch back in stock. How I did so? What? Well, I guess the the real question will be: What is the thing that actually made it happen? Like, where did you end up getting one? Well, okay, so my other parameter with this actually came from something that Akardino said, um, which was how many more midnight releases uh, are are, you, are we going to be able to do? Oh, wait, when, when did he say this? I don't get what he – just how many like in our lives now that we're too busy to do that yeah, shit? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I thought about – when I when I got my PSVR last year, I was super excited about this. You know, this is some this is tech that I'm really into, and something I pre-ordered the day it was released. Um, I just I went to UPS where I was having it delivered to. I picked it up, went home, installed it, or set it up, good to go. And that's fine. But it was kind of anticlimactic of this. Here's this thing I've been waiting for and super excited about, and now it's here. And it seems really weird to say that, but it did. It didn't feel like it was as exciting. It, it just fi- did, kind of felt like this was a thing I bought. It didn't feel like an event, like an occasion that you were in on with a group of other people? That was a, that was a big thing. So for me, it was also 
very much I wanted to have kind of the event sense. There are a few times where I got like an alert saying like, hey, the, you know, the Switch is available on Amazon right now, not through resellers, but the, it's actually they have it in stock. You can order it now. And I thought about doing that. And I was like, this is great. I can get it here in two days. But it wasn't as fun. I thought back to the last time I got a Nintendo product, which was my Wii back oh. in. When was it? Now you got to think. Yeah, it was like 2006 is when I picked mine up. And it was one of those things where, you know, I remember driving around to a bunch of different stores and trying to find one. And it was a huge pain in the butt. And um, I was actually going around with my mom at the time because she wanted to get one for, <laughs> for my sister as well. Yeah, the, the Wii, two of us. 2006 was a strange time. Everyone wanted Wii's. It was weird. One of those things, though, where we were both ragging on each other for driving around all over Northeast Ohio trying to find a, a Wii. And it was silly and it was fun. And it just felt like hu- like this huge accomplishment of, of when we actually found it and found felt just really exciting. I set my parameters where the only way I was getting it is if I was, I had to get a physical copy. I had to get a physical Wii. I had to go into a store and find, it. I had to go you, into okay. a brick and mortar store to get it. You wanted to have, do you wanted to be able to look at someone in the eye as you purchased it? Yes. So that someone could so, look at you and recognize that you are part of a cool thing. <laughs> yeah, I wanted that. <laughs> so uh, the way it worked out, though, was my other thing with it was, you know, I want uh, I, I figured I was most likely to find it at, at Best Buy at a Best Buy in the Columbus area. And that worked out well for me, too. I have a I have a Best Buy credit card. I do like one purchase a year on it. This is my like, all right, now is, this is how I'm going to also justify it. <laughs> you're going um, to get rewards points. Yeah, I know. Well, and that was the other, you know, another little small thing was like, hey, I've got like 20, 30 bucks in rewards points. Great. That's like half of a game or that's my case. Um, So that led up to then calling Best Buy and doing some like minor social engineering to figure out what the days were that they were most likely to get switches, what things to look for, what things to ask people on the phone to find out if there was one on shelf. And like this whole thing and calling them like every day or every other day and calling around the Columbus area and trying to find a store that had one in stock. And finally getting uh, some Best Buy employee to be like, I'm showing them in stock at this location, but not on the shelves. So we might have to hold them till a Sunday, but they might be there. I'm like, done. You know, and one of those that that turning into jumping into my car and like flying across Columbus in rush hour traffic and nearly getting in an accident and having to go down some weird side road and getting into the store and seeing it there and like grabbing it that it felt like an event. It felt just super nerdy and fun to get it that way. So you essentially have 100% justified Nintendo's plans to move everything to complete market shortage in order to encourage purchase. No, the amount of disgust I felt with myself. (laughs) 
I can't I can't quantify it. Well, that's what Nintendo wants. Say, they they want your Switch or other Nintendo product purchases to feel kind of like masturbation. <laughs> it felt so <laughs> so good so in the moment and then oh, I felt awful afterwards. <laughs> Murder is generated for my wife. At first I thought maybe she would be upset with the fact that hey, I just dropped like 500 on another game device and a couple and you know game related things wait did you tell her that you were planning on like you were feverishly oh she was yeah, hunting oh, yeah. one down no, so she I, knew no I, she knew and she got a lot of enjoyment out of it out of out of, out of, out of making mocking fun of you me. okay good yeah uh one of the one of the trips to to best buy where because I, my understanding was that they were most likely to get new shipments coming in and being on the store shelves on Sunday. This was before I started doing the regular calls. Uh, we went down to a Best Buy while she went into into the store next door and just laughed at me as I was waiting out front of Best Buy for Best Buy to open and going inside and see. Just, just to <laughs> yeah. not get one. Just to not get one. Oh, Lord. So I, I think she felt like so she is she was well aware and has really enjoyed all of the insanity that's gone along with this process. Uh, well, at least at least someone got to enjoy the stupidity in addition to you actually engaging in the stupidity, which is its own <laughs> entertainment. So now you have oh, a switch. Go, well, here's the question. Did you get the gray one or the blue and red one? I, I air quoted I got the, the red. I got the gray one. I haven't seen the uh, I haven't seen the neon variant. They didn't have when I went to Best Buy. They said that they had gotten in six. All of them were the gray ones. By the time I got in there, they put just put them up on the shelf like an hour before I got there. Uh, they were down to three. I bought one, and the dude that was working there was like, "I expect these to be gone within the hour." Yeah, I believe it. I, I there's still. I was worried my predictions before the Switch and before I gained Switch fever myself and, and snagged one, my predictions were they would be unfindable for six months. They would just be gone. And then all of a sudden, like the Wii U, they'd be everywhere. Everyone would be filthy rotten with with Switches, and it, and it would be like this cliff. But luckily... Um, since, I mean, it's always better when this is what happens. It seems like there's still st- sustained demand for a switch. I mean, like you and Tony both got ones while having never owned a Wii U. So it's a, it's like a plus move for Nintendo in terms of core base. Like they have increased the, 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 the core base of their consumers, uh, somewhat from Wii U to switch. So it's a good sign so far. So I haven't bought a Nintendo product in, it's 2017, so in 11 years. Yeah. The last Nintendo products I had, I had my, my Wii. So, yeah, my last ones were 2006. Yeah. And, you know, they're floating around in a box somewhere. And I've I've really ragged on Nintendo for their so many different things. But <laughs> yeah, it's hard, I to, was it's hard to think of one thing that you ragged on. Nintendo for it's just the list is too numerous, but they, but they, they made a, they made a solid product and the first time in, since the last Nintendo product where I can remember having to go in and hunt for something and trying to find it and being really excited about it. It's the first time in a really long time. I felt 
really excited about being able to find a product on the shelf, like a tech product on the shelf. Yeah, it, it, I think it's Go nice to it, try to find. It was just rare enough to make it desirable, but not crazy mm-hmm. like some of the stuff that they've done in the past, like the NES Classic, or I swear to God, three weeks from now, the SNES Classic, like the exact uh, same thing will occur. I don't know. It's, it's been a nice... Now, well, here's the real question. You've got one. You've got the gray one. Mm-hmm. Um, not thinking of the games that you've played on it. How do you feel about the hardware? It feels really solid in my hands. And uh, coming off of a few weeks of digging back into my Vita and my Vita library and playing it, which, you know, it that too, while it's now a... What, the Vita came out in like 2012, I think? Oh, I don't even know um, when the first Vita came out. Who yeah, knows? 12 or, thir- 12 or 13. I feel like the Vita's always been there and yet never been there. But, I mean, going between the two, um, it... Ways it doesn't feel as kind of as space age. Like when I pulled the Vita out, like that just felt like you know some sort of advanced piece of, of tech. It kind of felt like what you think of when I think tech. This is what mm-hmm. I envision. You know, the, the Switch it feels solid, but I mean, realistically, you pull off the Joy Cons, it just looks like a mini iPad. It looks like or a Fire tablet. Yeah, I was gonna say no worse than an iPad, and, and I would say worse than a Fire tablet. It looks like uh, like a my first blank, like that's to me that's what it appears to be. It's got that, no, that I, chunky I plastic, like and the like ga- the gaping rail holes on the side when you take the. <laughs> I mean, it's not attractive when you take the the Joy Cons off. Also, it kind of reminds me of. It reminds me of in my mind what the Sega Game Gear was. In your mind, okay. I, I mean, I think I might be seeing what you mean, like a little bit thicker than you think, like a yeah, little bit like, chunkier, kind of, kind of not like techie in the way where the Vita has like this amazing build quality and you know the screen meets the plastic and it's sturdy mm-hmm. and solid. It's kind of techie in the like, uh, I'm trying to think of what's a good example, like hackers or 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 like the Matrix ships where they're kind of. They're techie, yeah, it but it's feels, fucking thrown together. <laughs> yeah, it feels like something that came from like an early two. The Vita feels like something that came that from an early two thousands uh, sci fi movie. The this the Switch, like I think about what to me what the Game Gear looked like. You know the board shaped system that if you I I I saw one or a picture of one recently and i was like oh my god that screen was tiny i don't remember it being that small i remember the screen on the game gear being huge yeah well no i mean you you were playing with the the uh the vita and then you just got a switch i mean the screen size difference between the two of them is already crazy right somebody got a switch <laughs> oh <laughs> we're not so sad and lonely anymore <laughs> yeah somebody were you talking about nintendo bladoop justin's here <laughs> We threw up the Nintendo bat signal and Justin has arrived. Well, I was worried that somebody was going to pick apart all of the features in Splatoon 2 that don't make sense and criticize Nintendo. And clearly <laughs> they were made intentionally with much thought and foresight ahead of, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you're just, this is a preemptive strike. Yes, here I am. Well, we're, 
we're still I'm still having Neil recount the joy of finding and, and purchasing his Switch since he finally got on team Switch. Congrats. Yeah, I'm on I'm on board. I'm I'm impressed. It's it's a great it's a great piece of tech and I think with the the hardware itself, the and this is one of the things that thinking back to it also, I think one of the things that hurt the the Vita the availability of a of an L1 and L2 and an R1 and R2, I think it's significant. I think if you want to have modern games at this point, if you want to have the the quote unquote console quality games on a portable system, you have to be able to provide that the the additional in, uh, inputs like that. Yeah, the Vita didn't have that. I mean, the Vita you know, they did creative things. If you're doing like a first person shooter, like if you're going to throw a grenade, you know they Wired so that instead of the R two, you know, for throwing a grenade, you would touch the screen, and yeah. they, they found the, play the back screen which oh, was the worst thing. Oh, we don't yeah, we the, don't talk about the back, the back buttons. Do uh, you remember when you did uh, <laughs> so, remote play with your Vita, and the back was four buttons that you had no hope of hitting the correct one <laughs> ever? Like, oh god, I don't know who designed yeah, that one. So it, it, I mean. They treated the, the the Vita in a lot of ways was treated like a instead of like a console quality games on a mobile device, it was a console peripheral could play games on the go, which is the the wrong way to set up a system. And the Vita, the Vita, the the Switch doesn't feel like that. I mean, the the Switch one of their successes, it's a console system. Yeah, it feels complete. It feels holistic. Go. Yeah, it feels much more complete. And it just, from the get-go to me, feels like it's going to be a little more successful or a lot more successful because Nintendo has that game catalog. They can, they can shit out a Mario game once a year forever. <laughs> can and will. <laughs> can and will. But you know that that's going to happen. You know that there's this catalog of characters and games and game types that you can count on that they'll release and re-release and do that. Where with the Vita, there just wasn't a lot of in-house and there wasn't a lot of third-party work done. So, and if you didn't have that support with it, and if you had these weird cons, these weird control schemes with it, it just, it it didn't work. And I think that that was part of the reason for why it didn't feel like there was that much love. And also the fact that you would have to reprogram controls to work with, this weird back touch screen. I mean, it meant, I think games there meant a lot of figuring out how do you port something like this? Yeah. And, and like you said, the, the having the full buttons on the switch is critical to what makes it feel good as a thing that I would personally want to take with me uh, when I go places. Um, whereas the Vita always felt like something less. Part of that is also the sticks too. Like you have pretty legit sticks on those joy cons. And as a result of all those buttons and the sticks and the size of the screen, the Switch isn't as portable as one might hope. I feel like, you know, did you get a, a, a case for yours, Neil? Uh, I got a travel case. I didn't, what do you mean by a case? Like, Well, yeah, something to carry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when, when you go traveling somewhere, you're not just going to toss that in a bag. You no, have, no, you have God, to put no. it in yeah, a no, thing. I've got a, travel, I've got a travel case to go with that, yeah. Yeah, so I'd say it's the only negative, but for me... As someone that's not taking it with me everywhere, I I don't see any trade off whatsoever because I was always putting my con- my portable consoles in cases in my backpack when I would go on trips. Anyways, so the Switch is no different to me. 
personally. It's either at home and naked, or it's on the road in a in a carbonite shell. Like like that's just the two modes. It's a great trade off in my mind to get that all the buttons, and it's just a little bit more cumbersome. Totally worth it to me. Yeah, I mean, I I still have my 3ds in my pocket just because it is such a production getting the switch out of the backpack and yeah out of its case and everything um i i, I wouldn't want the switch i wouldn't want trade-offs to be made to make it more portable i'm glad it's the size it is but i in terms of being that 3ds game boy mindset of like it's always in your pocket you know i i know for most folks mobile gaming has sort of taken that space anyway but um that's the only like real limitation with the switch's form factor for me. Yeah, like yes. I said, I could feel it. Justin, from... have you tried? Justin, have you played your switch at all on the subway when you, or are you still going to something like your 3ds for playing on the subway? Well, the because my commute because I I had, because I spent most of my nights playing the switch and not moving. My a lot of my exercise in the morning is like walking a little bit further to the next furthest subway. Um, stop, which ends up making my subway ride only like 10 minutes long. So mm-hmm. I, I don't have, by the time, yeah, I, I, I generally end up with a 3DS because by the time I get out of my backpack, I'm already basically there. And, you know, it's, it's typically a standing room only uh, situation by the time the subway makes it to my station. So. Yeah, uh, I, feel, I feel like you yeah. can you can confidently hold a 3ds, perhaps partly because you might own multiples, uh, but partly because it's a I feel more robust design in terms of if you drop it. Like, I wouldn't want to drop a switch, <laughs> right? If I had no. to choose, I would prefer to drop my 3ds. <laughs> like, and they're not that different in price, so it's not even a monetary thing. It's just I feel like one of them pieces are going to go ejecting off in every direction and the other is a 3ds so i like that's how i make that decision a device that i feel like i can drop at all it's one of those things that when i'll set it down to take the dog out and i'm sitting it down like in a, on a side table or up on the mantle i kind of give it a double a double look okay is it is it really secure where it's sitting? Well, yeah, because it's like up on those little the little like nubs behind the the triggers, so it's it's not even really making a good solid contact with the surface. It's like up on ball bearings, essentially, ready to slide <laughs> off the coffee table at a moment's notice. Oh. Yeah, so this is why I was interested to hear how, how Justin how you how you're utilizing it because you have kind of the the most public transit of options for for getting to and from work i ride the bus usually to at least one way to work um but it's such a short ride often that i don't think about playing anything mobile yeah Uh, to me it doesn't feel like it's it's a mobile system for if you're going and sitting somewhere if you're sitting in a coffee shop if you're sitting in a lobby if you're sitting in a bar um you know, it's it's for that. It's for pulling out. It's for you're carrying it with you. It's for posting. It's for, you got to post up. It's in for an posting area for up. Yeah. yeah, you can't just yeah. you can't just be moving and run, running down the street, playing on your switch. And you no. want Wi-Fi yeah. for a lot of like if you're playing Splatoon or Arms or whatever, you want Wi-Fi access anyways. So you might not necessarily want to like if unless you're playing Zelda. Unless I'm playing Zelda, I got nothing on the Switch that doesn't involve an internet connection other than Zelda. So, like, that's that's it. All right, have you been... Well, you got 
what what games did you get for it, Neil? I picked up Zelda um, and that's an okay Mario Kart. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's yeah. okay. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's okay. Breath of the Wild, yeah. you know, this is one of those like little fun little things you do for a little while. You can really you can really roll through it in like a cool seventy five hundred hours. No big deal. I put a casual um, sixty five <laughs> hours into it. I was not. That was nothing. <laughs> what else? did you got Splatoon two right? You've got the yeah. I picked, up, I picked up Mario Kart and then I got Splatoon two. Yeah, so I haven't. Yeah, I haven't played it at all. I don't know. That's okay. It doesn't it. want you to play yeah. it. <laughs> You'll be fine. Not playing. You're playing just as much with your friends as we are. Don't worry. Hey, I unlocked Team Battle. I'm ready. Oh, God. Uh, Splatoon two is a really good game. I have to keep reinforcing that. Like, it's very fun. My urge to nitpick things about that game is really high. That's why Justin appeared. He could sense it. <laughs> I can. All right. I can so, speak so lay it on me. What do I have? What? Are, what's the nightmare and the good and the uh, the the dream that I have to uh, to look forward? Yeah, to? Yeah, Justin has to explain this because I won't do it in a kind light. Well, I, I I think I think I I my sense is Nintendo. It's highly debatable uh maybe not even open to debate uh whether uh nintendo actually achieved this i think what they were going for uh was is a curated like every time you pop into the game there's something new going on and this was a strategy that they largely employed in the the first game and so when when splatoon number one shipped it had five maps a uh, handful of guns, handful of clothing options, and by the end of the summer, you had uh, 16 maps, you had a bunch of new modes that, that uh, came in the form of ranked modes. Um, they, they added a lot, so they're, they're sort of taking that same model from the first game, and in a lot of ways, like I'm, I'm happy about that, because I do think it, it it did kept me playing for long after its its launch period with the original, and I'm sure that'll be the case with the second game. But that said, so one of the new features in in Splatoon Two is uh, essentially Nintendo's answer to Horde mode from Gears of War. You know, the four four human allies fighting against endless waves, or in this case. Three waves, but three very aggressive waves of uh, AI-controlled enemies. Uh, and it's available... Like you can't even, We can't even describe it when, when it's well, available. It's so erratic. Well, what's funny about it is it would almost make more sense to me... Like, so that another thing that carried over from the first game are the Splatfests, which I think always come on the weekend. Usually they're like once a month, and they're treated as this... There's actually one coming up this this weekend, ketchup versus mayonnaise for some reason, uh, where even uh, mustard mayonnaise Lincoln himself, I can't, I can't uh, vote for mayo. But anyway, this is this bullshit because you're making me choose ketchup, which I wouldn't naturally, but I want Ugh. to so that I can play with you. But anyway, uh, so like, it, it, so they're treating Salmon Run like a special timed event, except it's. It runs for like 24 hour intervals and it's usually it's it's 
online more often than it isn't, which makes it really baffling that they chose to keep it offline at all. And of course, like the handful of times where it hasn't been available was when we all had like a night free and we're like, hey, anyone want to hop on Salmon Run? And you show up and like the gate is closed and you can't actually play it. Uh, I so think that's, the, the, that's, that that could be... So I, I, I too warmed up to the model of the first game. I don't want every multiplayer game to function like Splatoon having the two maps at a time or, or one mode at a time that sort of gives you that curated experience and, and focuses the community on, on a smaller selection of things to make it more populated. Um, I don't want every game to be like that, but I became okay with it and I was prepared for it with Splatoon 2. My problem becomes uh, amplified with it with Salmon Run because... I'm okay with the modes being different and and having them selected for you to give you variety. But the problem I have with Salmon Run is it's so much fun. <laughs> it's it's like the most fun mode. I want to and and I I understand like I I wouldn't want to burn out on it. It, it would I, I could, I I could see that occurring. Definitely a lack of substance there for like long term. As somebody because like you can play for there's like these bonuses that unlock after what essentially amounts to a couple hours of play, and having done that once, you really you feel it after a while. Right, and there's only right now like two maps maybe, and they just it's the same map over and over when it is available. It's like whatever whatever map it is that one, and yeah, I could see the the not wanting to get burned out on it, but I feel like if we were just hanging out as friends and playing some Splatoon, we might play some Turf Wars and then go, ah, you know what? I'm feeling like I don't want to be competitive. I, I want to change a pace where we just work together and go over, play a couple Salmon Runs. Like, oh, I'm close to a bonus. Oh, I got the bonus. All right, let's go back to play Ranked. Or like, that was enough for tonight. That that kind of flexibility isn't quite there the way they've got things set up. And actually... And you can do Salmon Run in local play, which is inexplicable. Oh, <laughs> that, I didn't realize that's what it was At when I saw it. Yeah. I was so excited. I was like, oh shit, this is how you play Salmon Run. And then I went through the menu and, and saw like, oh, but this will let you set up a, a local Wi-Fi. And I, for some reason, thought like, oh, connect to a Wi-Fi so I can get to the internet and play with my friends. But I thought, okay, well, that's the thing. If we want to play Salmon Run, we just have to get together. And what didn't dawn on me was that literally everyone I know with a Switch doesn't live in the city with me. <laughs> like, I, I thought at least there was, like, a couple people. Like, I, uh, I know McFadden was on the edge or, like, Tom or someone else in the area. Like, no one has a Switch except for me. Oh, well, Lord. I, 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 think, I think the much more egregious thing that we're sort of beating around the bush is the game, if you want to consistently play on the same team as your friends, you can... You could right out of the gate when you buy the game, you can instantly go online, join a match with friends, and be playing with them. But they, you know, in a in a group of eight, one, you you can't really like set up a group party before you're going in. So there's always a chance that Kaz will start a game, and say Nick and I will join afterwards, and we'll be waiting three minutes just staring at a, a essentially just a, a background screen waiting for three minutes, the three minutes of the match countdown before we can join him. But, uh, okay, so, like, that's annoying, but I, I, I'm I, willing to tolerate a lot for Nintendo. Right, and uh, three minutes, <laughs> to be honest, three minutes isn't the worst I've ever waited to play with friends. I've, I've had friends playing a, a MOBA and waited 40 minutes for them to finish to join in. 
Yeah. I say, think about how, not so much now, but think about how much time in the early days of Overwatch you would have to wait to connect to a match. Yeah, sometimes yeah. it would take forever. I'm willing to wait three minutes. That's, that is, like you said, that's not really a major crime. But then, then in all likelihood, if you have a group of three or four people, the odds of you, if you go in with four people, the odds of all four of you being on the same team is next. I have played with four people on three separate occasions now, uh, you know, usually an hour at a time, and not once do we have all four people on the same team. So what you need to do, one, you need to unlock ranked play, which doesn't uh, doesn't take that much time. You have to reach level 10, which you'll do in relatively, you know, let's say three to four hours, you know, relatively short order. Um but then you also, for whatever reason, there is the, the, the way that you play with friends in, you know, friends online is through this uh, team or league, league, league mode. And in order to qualify for the league mode, you have to be ranked B minus in at least one of the ranked competitive modes. B minus one, it takes a long, you know, of a, a not insignificant amount of time to rank up to B minus Two ranked mode. You're looking at, you know, unlike if, if you're terrible at the game, you can still get to level 10 just through attrition, just by, yeah, just by playing. Just, yeah. By splatting ink with ranked mode. You know, I've, I've been fortunate in that most of the people I've been paired up with are semi-competent, but I know Nick was playing and just, I <laughs> I could hear the obscenities all the way here in New York because like if you're if you're playing poorly and your teammates are playing poorly or you're playing fine and your teammates are playing poorly after a certain point you could get locked you know knocked down a half letter grade and those letter grades are like they're hard hard won like they're they're not yeah it's like seven wins possible. in a row gets you to the next letter grade or something yeah. like that. And, and then and you can lose a few times. I, I, I think it's pretty forgiving, but you know, just the fact that, the, that it's possible to get knocked down is, it adds this extra level of tension when all you ultimately want to do with is, is play with friends and Kaz, I haven't even mentioned to you. So I, I don't know if you know this, but league play, you can play with two, two. people on the team yeah, or you can play with four people on a team. But you can't play with three. <laughs> <laughs> can you play league with one person? No. You can only play league with two or four. Yeah, because I mean, there, there, there would essentially be not a lot of point. And league play is essentially ranked play, but with people you know. And like I, again, I can see what Nintendo is going for in theory. You want to keep, like the I. There is an argument to be made. I'm not the one making it because I think Overwatch plays just fine with ranked people on teams together. But there's an argument to be made that you want to keep an even, you know, a, a, an even playing field. And so if you have some people who are paired up and some who aren't, you know, the people who aren't are an inherent disadvantage. I do get that. Whatever. If you want to have ranked play cordoned off and, and have that set up that way that's I, I don't necessarily love that design choice but i could live with that but why there is no set mode out of the gate that lets you play on the same team as friends is 
just baffling. And it's it's not insurmountable. And, you know, Splatoon 2 happens to be one of those games that's good enough that you put up with the, the headaches. But, boy, <laughs> uh, you know, the realizations, because it's also like a lot of these decisions are not, either not, they're unintuitive or they're not properly explained. So you go in, you see League Player, like, oh, this is exactly what I want. And then you you actually buy the game and you open up that monitor like must be ranked B minus or like oh well I'll just get B minus and you realize that takes a long time and then you realize you know to compound that there are three different types of ranked modes they all cycle every two hours so if you're trying to get progress for let's say you're let's say you're C plus on uh, Rainmaker which is essentially the like the capture the flag mode of sorts yeah. Um, or assault, I guess, if if we're talking Halo or bomb. What is this, is this like bomb squad? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but let's say on Rainmaker you're ranked C plus and you're this close to getting B minus, but you're looking at the clock and it's 10 p.m. At 10 p.m., no matter what you do, it's gonna switch over to Splat Zone or uh, what's the third one? Tower Control. And you know that has its own separate letter ranking. So I mean, your progress on uh, Rainmaker doesn't go away, but you're going to have to come back a couple hours later, and like it, it's just, it's it's like the mechanics of it are so sound. I, I like, like that. I, I like that. I set this up so that you would have to explain this so that it wouldn't sound so sad and like. And and uh, and and dark, but you sound so exasperated by you guys, it. Do you remember, like two years ago, when I was trying to explain the various economies in Destiny. <laughs> yeah, this I is. I assume this is what I sound like. It's... And we haven't even we haven't even talked about the Nintendo Switch app, where like everything with Splatoon Two, it's like ah, I don't really know what they're going for here, but I can roll with it because I love the game. The split, the Nintendo Switch app is unforgivably <laughs> bad. It is, it is like the most half formed. So the, there's there's actually like similar to Halo Waypoint. There actually is an app within an app. There's this the Splatoon two page within the Nintendo Switch app that actually is kind of cool. Like you can yeah, you, you see can your match items. results and you can buy yeah. items through it. That's and you can see what mode you can get rank progress in so that you can know the nature of your torture for the next two hours. Yeah, but here's everything you need to know about the Nintendo Switch app. So <laughs> this is, if, if we weren't talking on Discord or if we didn't have a Skype account, we would be forced to talk through Nintendo Switch app, you know, on our mobile phones to do voice chat in the game. But let's say you jump through these hoops and you're talking online through this app and you get a text message or even you want to pull down the status bar to see what you know what message you just got anything that you do that isn't the app itself the moment that the app is not actively engaged the call will will stop uh (laughs) yeah oh no 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 this this is like it's a master class in early like early 2008 app design like it's bad and what's what's so frustrating to me is this this is a problem like that Nintendo that it's 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 a it's a solution to a problem that didn't need solved. Like the the Wii U certainly was no great shakes when it came to online multiplayer, 
But there were games that had functional voice chat within. And, you know, they were few and far between, but it worked, and it was built in the game, and you didn't have to, like... I, I, I've heard different things like it's saving on computing power or it's saving on battery. I don't really buy that. But even if it, it like, just like a, a wrongheaded like assumption of how people use their mobile phones on like a, a regular basis. Like it's, I'm sure these are conversations that their American, at least the Nintendo of American, uh, of American employees have had. Uh, with their higher ups, and I'm sure it's you know like this is part of their partnership with that DNA uh, mobile outfit. Um, I don't really know how this thing came into being, but it is it's very much a work in progress. Like if you had to pay money for this right now, I would be livid. Yes, as it stands, it's amusingly inept, and that's about <laughs> as far as it because it's not preventing me from talking to you because about a thousand other solutions exist. And we were already using other solutions with previous Nintendo games just because it's easier. <laughs> but like, uh, when this becomes paid, it better be a lot better. I I don't think it can't like, I, I don't think there's any chance that, that you know, they, they've said it, you know, Nintendo themselves have said it's a work of progress. Now I think, I don't think that provides them unlimited cover, like something like this that is so grossly inadequate. Like at a certain point, it's like more of a pride. Stand. Like this is not a finished product or even anywhere near a finished product. Like what? It, it's so functionally, you know, it, it, it's, it's practically pointless. Like it, it, other, other than like the Splatoon 2 stuff in the background, like any of the voice chatter community stuff which is is ostensibly why it was designed that that stuff might as well not even exist at this point oh uh, neil we maybe not we haven't explained this to you uh when you use the nintendo app to get together with your friends and play online uh you can only play with your friends you could Mm -hmm. you cannot match make like you can't get four people together and then go play turf war you can only make private battles Wait, what? And I Wait, don't think it lets I, you launch it without eight people. I don't, I'm not 100 percent certain that, on that. That I'm not sure. I think you. I think that. It, I think you can launch with with four. Um, and play and like two on two. In theory, there are like cool features, like the idea that you can send out a Twitter link saying, "Hey, here's my match. Join up." But like, even even that functionality, like there's there's no. You, you know, typically with links, there's like some sort of like thumbnail or something to call people's attention. Like, the, it, it's it's just really lacking. Can we talk about the game itself? <laughs> so like, we're getting like, uh, yeah, I'm not feeling good about I'm, this purchase right now. <laughs> no, well, that that's the thing is like all the griping that I've done has been outside of playing the game. Like when I'm actually playing the game, the game is great. I, I love it to pieces. Um, yeah. The, the moment to moment action in Splatoon two is, uh, it is exactly what you expect. It's Splatoon, but better. There's more stuff to it. And I've, I pretty much enjoyed every aspect of it. I have not gotten through the single player campaign. Uh, single player is really good. I, I, I think it's, it's improved over the original, which I still thought was, pretty good you know at the time but um 
you know, the, the, the big change with the single player is uh, they they give you multiple weapons throughout each, you know, at the start of the stage. So it, it serves much more as, like, an active training ground in terms of, like, oh, you'll actually get to use the roller outside of multiplayer and you'll get to see how that works or the the, the splat charger or whatever that's essentially the game's sniper rifle. So, and you'll get to try the umbrella, which isn't even in multiplayer yet. Um, I'm assuming but, it will be at some point. Yeah, and it kind of kills me because the if you clear every stage in in the campaign with each uh, weapon, you can you can buy it at the shop. But if you do that with the umbrella you actually still can't do that yet until they actually unlock. But they showed it during the Direct. Like, the the Brella-class weapons are definitely coming. But I, you know, a brief moment, because I think I'm only, I'm going to be the only person who says something positive about the gyroscopic controls, but I think they're great in this game. I, I really do. Um, I did not realize so Splatoon 2 does not have auto-aim, which... I don't think I ever realized that with, with either of the Splatoon games, which is why um, I really do think if you're playing with the sticks, you're at a pretty huge disadvantage just in terms of how responsive the motion controls are. And there is a learning curve, but... Yeah, I'm, I am am 90% of the way through the learning curve to mo- motion controls. I, I switched them over when we played that one time, and I... I have taken my licks and and grit grit my teeth and gotten through it. I pretty much only play with the motion controls now. Uh, it's a, it's similar to other things. I don't want every game to be like that, but for this game, it it, it works for the most part. I, I'm, I'm really curious was- about the about using the motion controls because I've read a couple things about this and y- the little bit of use with the motion controls I've had so far in other games in Zelda where you're using the puzzles and you're you're doing the motion with the switch made me hate it. I hated using well, do, do you use the, the motion ball. aiming for the bow and arrow in Breath of the Wild? No. Oh, I I I'm with you on the puzzles, but I thought the archery stuff handled really well with motion. Yeah, I like the archery actually. It's what made me give motion controls in Splatoon a second shot. I I guess I don't know. I for for my style of gameplay, using the using the motion controls is actually more frustrating. But it also might be if I'm like sitting on the couch and I'm like leaning on one arm okay. while I'm playing. Yeah, this is the one thing I will say with the motion controls. Um, you, I don't know. Maybe it's different for you, Justin, because you're more used to them. But the only thing I would say is a 100% negative is you you can't relax quite as much when you're using them. Like I, I have to sort of sit forward and get kind of over the controllers and uh, and sort of be aware of like what my neutral position is because otherwise I'll get all turned around if the, if the controller's too in front of my face or too like tilted to one side or the other like it will throw me off eventually so I have to be yeah, a, a little bit more I, careful I think I just always have like the death grip on the controller sitting <laughs> I think that's just like my default relaxing mode so yeah. I, I don't really me playing I, I th- me playing any other first person shooter where i'm it's not competitive like if i'm playing competitive when i was seriously playing a lot of titanfall and halo 5 i lean forward with my butt on the edge of the couch like and, and that engages me in a different way but like if i'm just playing a game having fun like when i was playing zelda 
Uh, and if I'm sitting on the couch, like I've got like one leg up on the couch and my arms resting on my leg. And you cannot do that with the motion controls in Splatoon 2. At least I feel like you can't. So if, if that's the kind of the way that you play games, sort of chill and, you know, curled up in weird contorted positions on your couch, you can't do the motion controls. You just can't. Yeah, and I'm, I'm actually thinking because I have played a couple times sitting up in bed and I couldn't really imagine being on my side. But I will say that. The thing I think that's different about Splatoon with the motion controls that wouldn't necessarily translate to a Halo or an Overwatch is that so much of Splatoon, you're not really shooting... I mean, you will shoot at other opponents, you know, uh, from time to time, but most of the... Even in the ranked modes, more often than not, you're shooting at the ground. You're trying to paint the ground. And so it often calls for, like, much more sweeping motions. It's less about... It's less about precision and more about just spread, and so it makes sense to sort of move the controller back and forth in, in, in waves to sort of cover more ground that way. Yeah, normal shooters are very... I feel like the stick for me goes wildly between I want to whip the camera around and I want to do fine-tune adjustments. And you'll find with Splatoon, there's lots of times when you want to slowly pan across an area to soak it in in ink from one like high vantage point, which does work better with the motion controls. Like, like I said, I've gotten used to them. I will say this, the best way to try motion controls that I found, right? I've got a pro controller. It's pretty good, but it's a controller. Um, when you're holding the full unit, it kind of works, but you're moving the screen around, which is kind of frustrating to me. Um, if you disconnect the Joy-Cons and put the unit in front of you, like on a desk or on a table, and uh, and sort of lean in and sort of sit over it. I found the motion controls feel the best that way because you're just moving the right Joy-Con. It almost feels like you're pointing. Oh, wait, you don't even have them in the... the I, I'm saying not in the grip. Shell? Yeah, it, really? I, I like them independent. It actually is... It, it's the most comfortable. That's what got me over the hurdle, and now I can do it with the Pro Controller as well. Oh, that's I have other than like arms with like the punching stuff. I actually that's the only switch mode that I haven't really engaged in is like the the Joy Cons without the grip. I haven't really done that yet. Um, interesting. Yeah, I I got jealous seeing people play Breath of the Wild lying on their back in bed with it mounted above their head and their arms <laughs> at their side, holding each Joy Con in like the ultimate lazy game playing mode. Like that actually no, sounded. That is, that's the most gaming dystopia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are they wearing? Are they wearing a jumpsuit? And no, no, no. About six hundred pounds. Because this is Wally. You just described a scene out of Wally. No, no, no. They're normal sized, but they're intubated. <laughs> bed, bed sores on top of bed sores. Uh, <laughs> that's that's the Nintendo way. That's what they want. You know. You know what the only so. Pretty much across the board with Splatoon 2, pretty much everything I prefer over the original. The only thing I miss, and I'm actually surprised by just how much I miss it, is having the the map on the control pad from the Wii U screen. For me, just uh, for doing the quick jump. Oh, I'm I'm used to the cr- quick jump now, but I think it, it is a problem. Uh, and I, I've gotten used to it, and it hasn't really like severely hampered my enjoyment of the game in any way, but there will be times where I don't necessarily have a great sense of how much of the arena, like I, I'll, yeah. I'll be able to 
check in between like when I'm either when I'm killed or uh, when there's a little bit of a lull after we've painted like a, a large swath. But I, I really hope they patch in like a mini map or something into the corner of the screen or somewhere just so you can get like a bird's eye, like quick view of like this is where we need to cover territory. It's the only thing that sort of feels lacking is like having to pull up the map separately and like obscure yeah. your view. I really don't think that's an elegant solution. Yeah, I, I agree. I, that was the that was the thing I was surprised as well that I was I missed the Wii U in that in that sense where having that permanent map was nice. That which, like you said, it could be easily remedied with a decent mini map to give me at least an idea: Are we winning? Are we losing? Is someone painting our back court? And I need to get back there. Like I'll say this, Neil. Uh, the the game itself is fun, and I think why I enjoy Splatoon as much as I do is that it's very different. Like while being just a, a first person, or well, not a first person, but while being a shooter, shooter. Yeah, yeah, it 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 feels competitive, like playing Halo, or and but it's not nearly as heavy, so it's so much lighter of an experience. The the strategic depth is there if you want it, but it's not something you have to, you know, have your mind 100% engaged with. Like, oh, we need to think tactically and go in. You know, you can go in and play. And I actually wish Turf Wars was available for ranked play. Like, I don't I don't understand why that that because like, that that mode still to me is the one that feels the most refreshing and different in terms of like deathmatch shooters that are out there because you don't go for the kills. You, you just go to claim the territory, and that mechanic is still unique despite this being a direct sequel of the first one. No one else has really done that. So to, to me, it still fills its own genre or its own niche in the, uh, in the fair, shooter. Yeah. And, and so, I, again, we, com- we can complain endlessly. There's more things to complain about. You'll find like little things like, oh, you can't switch loadouts without jumping out oh, of the matchmaking yeah, queue, which, by the way... If you're playing with friends, you cannot physically jump out, change your loadout, and jump back into their game fast enough to not have to wait for the three minutes to tr- tick down and while they play another game because it puts them in a match so quick that you're stuck waiting yet again. So, like, there are a bunch of little problems. Apparently that one's fixed. Justin, do you have a Splatoon Amiibo that you've uh, lo- put loadouts on? I do. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> of course is that a real question i i'm no but well, i have i hadn't thought to do that as a solution that's interesting i think that's what you're supposed to do but like you should just be able to assign four loadouts to a button and be able to switch on the d-pad while you're yes, in the you in the loading screen like them locking that kind of convenience behind a uh not only do you have to give us money, but you also have to do what Neil did to find a switch in the first place and find the the Splatoon amiibo for the three milliseconds they're in a store and give us seventeen bucks or twenty bucks or whatever the hell it is. Yeah, the purple squid one in particular is really hard to find right now. Don't don't tell Neil that he'll go start searching for one. No, I've done uh, my I've done my thing. Yeah, you didn't have a Wii U. Now you've got a Switch. You can get in on the the amiibo craze. No, I don't want. I don't. I look. Don't I'm do saying, it. Let me. <laughs> <laughs> I actively encourage <laughs> you not to. Says says amiibo enthusiast. Says the man who has multiple tabs open right now, looking for future amiibos. No, I. It, the sad thing is, they're all they're all pre-ordered. They're all uh, <laughs> they're 
Papa Justin's that taken care of. That's the SNES Classic. That's the only other. That's the only other major stress yeah. in my life. <laughs> I want to. I want to hear what uh, Neil's thoughts are on Breath of the Wild are, but I also kind of want to know how much you're stressing out about the SNES Classic. Back to my thoughts on Breath of the Wild. I want to hear Justin's thought on the SNES <laughs> Classic. I did. You I thought I was gonna. I Did, started hyperventilating when it went up on Walmart <laughs> and I missed it. Like it was like a, and granted every, so it was like a Thursday at 1140 PM Eastern. Yeah. When, when, when all good products launch. Yeah. And granted <laughs> Walmart has since canceled all of their pre-orders uh, because they, it, 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 they weren't supposed to put it up. So Nintendo today actually said later this month that they'll be up for pre-orders, which is, Actually, more notice than they've given with when the NES Classic was uh, coming out, and then the other the other thing is they said they're going to quote unquote produce a lot more uh, of the SNES Classic. The thing that stresses me out is I was able to get an NES Classic with you know the original without any difficulty because I, you know, the summer leading up to its release, it wasn't a thing until it was a thing. You know, like it was. You know, I, I don't think it was on the radar of the, like, nostalgia crowd until it was on store shelves. And then it became the thing that everybody had to have. But now that we've lived through yeah. NES Classic Mania and the Super Nintendo is, is on its way, I think people have been through, people have been <laughs> to hell and back. They've seen how hard the original was to get their hands on. And this one has an unreleased game like that. To, like, I love the NES. The NES has lots of games that are, have su- surprisingly stood the test of time, given their vintage. Super Nintendo, though, that's that's when you start to get into like the really timeless territory. And it's also there are a number of games on that system on the on the classic version of that system that have not seen commercial release you know on virtual console or anything like it since their original debut so stuff like you cannot buy yoshi's island the super nintendo version you can buy the game boy advance version of it on your wii u uh and that's fine but it's heavily compromised um so this is the first time that you can buy a legit version of yoshi's island the original Star Fox, and then Star Fox 2 this is the first time anybody can buy it because it hasn't even been released before. Uh, there's a lot to be excited about with this thing. Um, it really does, you know, there, there are certainly, you know, Super Mario RPG and Final Fantasy 3 slash 6 are on there, but Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy 2 aren't. You know, there, you know, there are all sorts of omissions if you want to go down the list, but it's like, for 80 bucks, it's like, 21 really great games there really isn't a stinker in the bunch so yeah the extra 20 dollar bump it it kind of hurts because it's not like that i don't understand the console the actual guts inside that thing can't be any more powerful because it was probably already just an arm chip i think there's somebody inside nintendo whose job it is to sit down because you know Iwata, Miyamoto, every all of them have talked about at one point or the other. Like we want these games to retain. They don't want Virtual Console or whatever their Netflix style, quote unquote, Nintendo Switch shop is going to be. 
I think they want to avoid the race to the the bottom iPhone model. Uh, and like, if you make, I'm again, this is me trying to play, you know, pretend I'm a Nintendo employee. I think the rationale is, you know, Super Nintendo games, they have held up better than NES games. They're more sophisticated than the NES games. And they're priced accordingly in, in that, with that in mind. Um, now, from, a, from a what you're getting from, like, the physical goods perspective, no, it doesn't make any sense. That, you know, it's probably a few kilobytes more of data. But other than that, it's, it's essentially the same design. But Here's, here's uh, my stance on the SNES Classic. Doesn't it come with two controllers though? That sure, yeah, two controllers. So I, I that doesn't necessarily make up the entire gap. But the the NES classic only came with one. Oh God, you had to buy an extra controller too. Yeah, and those those were impossible. I never oh, did end up with the second one. Um, the Wii Classic controller worked, so it didn't end up mattering. But uh, that's true. Here's my yeah. stance on the system. Uh, I am not going to feverishly refresh a page in order to get a pre-order because I think that's just a huge disaster that doesn't need to suck as much as it does. Just it's yeah. all and all how, all how Nintendo's handling it. I don't desperately want one. If if I can walk into a store and pick one up within the first couple days that it's out, or maybe two weeks later, like if I can just casually walk into a Target and buy one. I will get one. If I can't, it's and it's a different a, position from even two weeks for you ago uh, for you. It, no, Last time we recorded, we dogged on we we really dogged on the SNES. You're like, I'm not gonna get one. I'm no, done. I'm not gonna do it. No, no, no. But I've I've added a layer to this that I. I uh, okay. So when you like when you make a, a a a if you're making a CCG collectible card game and you make a card have more power. It has to cost more. So I'm giving them a little bit more benefit of the doubt, but I'm adding in a caveat. If I go to a store twice in the first two weeks and neither time I can just go pick up an SNES Classic, I'm going to go home and I'm going to go onto my computer and I'm going to buy a Raspberry Pi. Fuck them. <laughs> that's, that's the rules of Nintendo. You can make me happy. You could just make enough of these things that I can get one. Just saying. But I will. This, I will spend money th- despite them. <laughs> the thing that gets to me is, even on Raspberry Pi, you cannot get the full finished Star Fox Two. Like for now, I know. I no. Well, yeah, I guess for now. <laughs> but up until now, it's not. It hasn't. You know, there's been other like bootleg versions of Star Fox Two, but those aren't. Those are incomplete. Uh, just from like a. a from the like the hardcore fan who like collects all the albums and all the B sides and all you know from like the completionist point of view, like this really is it's such a weird unexpected you know why like why now of all times do you, it's not like it's Star Fox two or you know Star Fox's anniversary or like the Super Nintendo isn't turning a certain age like they're. It's I don't think I think it was twenty fifth anniversary is like a couple of years ago. So I don't think it's like any noteworthy occasion. It's very strange that they're choosing to do that now. But here's why they're doing it. Uh, over the time between we last recorded and now, hearing you guys get excited to get one, and you and Nick and Tom like texting, like 
chatting each other back and forth like, oh, crap, did that, did it show up here? Did you get it? Oh, I got mine. Like, just seeing that and it having Star Fox 2 and it being this hot commodity has slowly driven me from, hell no, I hate you, Nintendo, to like, <laughs> well, maybe. And that's why it's in there. Because I feel like there had to be some, I, I don't know, maybe they don't see it, but I guess part of me is kind of hoping Nintendo's going, well, the first one was kind of a shit show, so here's we need something more than just, here's another one. It has to have some sort of show of good faith. And so their thing is they added a th- an unreleased thing. That's kind of a cool thing. Uh, and it kind of makes up for the crap show. The problem is if it's another one this time around, then there's no recovering from it. Uh, yeah. Well, the other question... Well, wait, is- wait, 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 wait. What do you mean no recovering from it? Well, okay, there's no recovering I mean- from it in that uh, there is no version of an N64 classic that can interest anyone because it, it like would have to have all seven of the games that mattered. Like, so, uh, two questions. Two questions for you. One, can we imagine an N64 classic with that Rare title on Because, you know, Rare was certainly on the NES and the Super NES, but, like, they're really an integral part of the 64 library. And then, two, wait, wait, hold on. Wait, what? what is the most... So it's, it's just GoldenEye, right? GoldenEye, the Banjo-Kazooie games. Perfect oh, Banjo-Kazooie. Four. Yeah, yeah, yeah Banjo-Kazooie. Conquer, like, that. that is, when people think of Rare, I'm sure Donkey Kong Country comes to mind. I think of Viva Pinata yeah. and a few other, like, later games. But for the most part, it's their N64 output that really, you know, they're still eating out on that. Um, well, and, and uh, Donkey Kong Country on the SNES. Right, right, right. I mean, that's, that's, that's up there, but I, I think their N64 output is really what define them for the longest time and and even like you can feel it in some of their early xbox xbox 360 games feel like almost like n64 throwbacks but then the other question the more pressing question that i have is how do we think so when nes classic launched last year it was in the doldrums of the wii like uh, you had Paper Mario, which was really good, but other than that, there was like nothing else that winter that came out from Nintendo, and like their big holiday product was NES Classic. This this year, presumably, super you know the the Switch is going to remain uh, a hot commodity. I mean, it's it's still selling briskly in the summer, and we're pre Mario Odyssey right now. Um, so, assuming the Switch is going to be there, how how does do these two things complement each other? Do they compete? I, I mean, my... I don't my think they compete thing. at all. I feel like they're completely disparate markets. I I don't think they compete. I think that every... I think that every SNES... So, no, I won't say every. I think there's a good chance that you have a lot of overlap with people wanting to buy... have both things... Um, I think that especially our age group um, and the age group kind of a, above us, the SNES, and are still into games are possibly going to be looking to have both. I, I don't see a scenario For where correct. someone where someone goes, I can have either this or that. Yeah, no, I don't see that at all. 
True. I feel like if the people want these either of these things, they will get like the Switch competes maybe with the with the other consoles. That's about it. Yeah. Like I, I don't I, I feel would... like this is so 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 divorced from those. The Switch is gonna come is gonna compete this year for uh space under the tree when it comes to oh, whether sure. someone is getting a, an Xbox or a PS4. But also it doesn't compete on the on the price because of the price point. I mean at 80 bucks, that's 20 bucks more than a game. That's yeah. I mean that it's a completely different different price point. I'm still shocked more for the SNES. I'm completely shocked that they didn't charge 100 or 120 bucks for this. I think they easily could have done that and just no one would have even flinched. Uh I feel like you can get to 100 I don't know I about 120 but I <laughs> I mean I'd be there but I I think you'd you'd be hard pressed. I, I don't know. That's an- I think that I think that they were conservative with their pricing at 80. I think that they could have gone up higher. And I still I still think that ultimately what you'll see is I think that you're you're gonna see an N sixty four classic. Yes. And I think that we're gonna swing back around and I, I suggested this a couple weeks ago. I think there's a real chance that this becomes like a Disney Vault sort of thing. Every few years you get a new re release or you get the new SNES classic, which comes with a new catalog of games to go with it. Well, it would be nice. And like, I, I have to jump off, but it would be nice if that is the model that they go forward. Like right now they're putting out these, essentially these shells with like a preset number of games, but it would be nice. I'm totally fine if they want to get, I mean, it seems a little silly to do this, but if, if virtual console, if it's selling you like a set top box separate from the switch and it's, I, you know, I, I, if only for like saving like plastic and manufacturing and, and things like that, I mean, I'm happy to buy another NES classic, but I'd rather not do that every few years. I'd like to just see them build out the library without necessarily you know, like the 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 classic thing is fun for the novelty of it, but I think, uh, you know, it's it's unclear, um, you know, how how sustainable that is as a model long term. Well, yeah. I think that I think that you maybe get one or two more variants of each out, and then eventually you have a system that. Does the that you can buy stuff from the store, the the virtual console, your shape? Do you want your new thing that can access these old games? Do you want it to look like an N sixty four? Do you want it to look like an original Nintendo? You know, yeah, you kind of pick your shape, cool. and that's. I think that that's. I mean, theoretically, that seems like it's something that's cool. That seems like it's moving the ball forward. You know, I think that what they're doing now is kind of regressive. Yeah, um, it's not super I'd consumer positive. Yeah, no, th- I just, this I just want it on the switch. Like it's like a perfect <laughs> form factor for it. You know, put out one Joy-Con with a proper D-pad. But that aside, like I, 
but they also want to they want to reach an audience that isn't going to ever consider buying no and and i get that i i I, again i i think you can do both but it's really frustrating to me like when you have an audience that's very software hungry right now as the switch audience is now is the time when they seemingly have pulled the plug on virtual console and i'm guessing you know it's not you know, I'm sure it started out huge on Wii and then was considerably less su- successful on the Wii U, and I get that. But, I mean, the Switch is its own thing, and you have so many people. I I just had dinner with a friend tonight who has not, you know, kept up. He owned a Wii, but other than that, you know, his, his gaming memories are the NES and the Super NES, and he just bought a Switch because he wanted to play Zelda. And I've talked to so many people like that who are coming back into the Nintendo fold. And it just, like, this is the, you know, if if I were sitting in the Nintendo boardroom, I'd be saying, like, this is the moment to strike. This is the moment to put, you know, even something like Super Mario Brothers or, God, Super Mario Brothers. I hope Super Mario, now I'm just going off on a tangent, but I was thinking about this the other day. How is Super Mario Maker not announced in all Oh, God. Like, yeah, that's pathetic. Like, I, I love the Wii U, but you can't leave Super Mario Maker on on the Wii U. That that is a, that is a game that deserves to find like a a, a massive audience because I think you Just, put I it mean, in front uh, of a lot of people. Look, Justin, do you come, this will really hurt for most Nintendo fans. I think Mario Maker should be on PC. Uh, I mean, fine, whatever. I, look, I just want more people to play it. Like I. It should I, just be a web app. Jesus Christ. It's look, not I that complicated. I do like... We're talking a lot about all these things that Nintendo can do or should do. I think that we also need to recognize this is a company that is being very conservative in their approach to everything they do right now. This is a company that not long ago uh, th- everyone including myself, like the, their stock had tumbled. They weren't doing anything innovative. And the Wii U launch, a decent system, like it was not really a, a game changer release for them. Like it was, they were kind of out in the woods for, for a number of years. And now this is a company that is coming back to the fold with, People are, as Justin has said, coming back to Nintendo. They are excited about Nintendo products. They they once again have multiple hot, you know, new commodities that they that they know that they are selling out of or about to sell out of. So I think it's a company at this point where they're trying to figure that they're probably trying to figure out like, okay, what's the best approach? How do we how do we create something that's sustainable? How do we create you know, get to this point where we're making significant money again and staying making significant money and we don't see this drop off again. Oh, I just thought of a good idea. Think about like sustainable money because the problem with virtual consoles that they insist on charging such a high price for the games for them to retain their value that I think it hurts sales because I don't buy them because I'm not willing to pay $5 for a game I've bought five times before. Here's an idea combining sort of what you said, Neil, where you get to choose your variant. If they had a $50 shell that logged into the same Nintendo account that you log into your switch with, 
that was okay. You can select a, you can get an N64 or an SNES or hell a GameCube, whatever it is, and it has a controller and it's just compatible with the virtual console that lets you download whatever you want. And mm-hmm. if they would just sell things like, here's five dollars. It's like the 2D Mario games. Here's ten dollars. This is the Final Fantasy NES pack. $10, this is the Final Fantasy Super Nintendo pack, or this is like the RPG pack. If they were to give you just a little bit more value and then let you purchase it once and play it on either that console or the Switch, like if it was just attached to your account and you could play it in any place, I feel like they would have a hit because they would have people that would want to own every variant and have it on their shelf. And then they'd have people like me that wouldn't want any of those, but I'd buy a pack or two on the Switch where I wouldn't if it were individual titles. Like mm-hmm. that that kind of attack really could work well for them. And I'm just yeah. sad that I can't get that message to Nintendo. Like I mean, I, I think it's, even uh, if you haven't like I think a lot of people have and I you know that I don't think it's that they're not listening. I think they've just they've got their they've got whatever strategy they have in mind. Um, and uh, how much they're willing to deviate over, uh, you know, I I guess we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I still feel like with the Switch, it's still kind of like with the Wii, where Nintendo is hugely successful with it, but I'm not convinced they know why they are. <laughs> like the, I still feel like this the Wii, the fact that they made a Wii U, always felt to me like they were like, why does everyone like this thing? We don't know. Uh, make another, and then it didn't work. <laughs> like, well, that that would actually be the one area where I feel like Nintendo, just looking at their output, it feels a lot more confident than even the Wii did in terms of their release schedule. Like, I think they, if two thousand, if they, you know, big question, if the if they maintain this in two thousand eighteen. But 2017, they've been really smart, you know. So they put out Arms in May, which or June rather, which believe it or not, actually sold over a million copies, which is awesome. Um, very happy about that. Splatoon this month. Next month, we're getting the Mario Rabbit thing that shockingly looks fascinating and and weird and cool. September, we get the po- like they they've got a very steady release calendar for the rest of the year, and I think. That alone, even the even the Wii had its long, dry spells, and and there wasn't any real like. It didn't. You couldn't necessarily point to like this is a strategy that they have in mind for their release dates. You'd get Mario Galaxy and Zelda, you know, whatever they had for November, and then everything else just felt sort of scattered. And Switch very much feels like we are going to stagger these releases in like a very smart way and. The games themselves have been thus far very polished and well made. So I, I don't. I I still, you know, you're right that anything could happen and, and interest could dry up or Nintendo could misunderstand what they've got on their hands. But I I feel better about the Switch than I did about the Wii back in the day. So, um, eh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, as as at least from my personal, per- like maybe not in terms of like market performance, but I feel better about what Nintendo's doing than I did with, you know, the the Wii U had its 
high definitely had lots of high points, but it also had some really dull stretches. You know, even even the switch, you can't really point to. You know, the thing came out in in March, and by April you had Mario Kart, and, and by June you had aren't like I feel like they've been doing pretty good about like avoiding a really long post-launch dry spell, which is no easy feat. Yeah, I'll agree with that. When you thinking about it in terms of like business success, the Wii U is such a runaway, or the Wii, God, not the Wii U. The Wii U was a runaway situation. The Wii was a runaway success, and uh, and and I don't think that the Switch can probably ever match that kind of numbers and quick adoption. Um, but I think the Wii was a singular thing that may never happen again. Uh, whereas, yeah, like you said, the Switch feels much more sustainable. It seems like a thing that they can keep going. Honestly, the curated releases remind me of the old Xbox Live Arcade thing where they would hold games and force them to release in like a monthly cadence, um, which eventually the systems grew out of and they needed to deviate from like, and they were getting bashed for doing that. Uh, I, at the very beginning of a console, this kind of regimented controlled release is I think doing wonders for our, I mean, it's clearly doing wonders for our impression of the switch and its health going forward. Yeah, Like everybody's talking about the same game for, for what, like I, I do miss I miss that from our early Rafflecopter down days. Like, you know, it, it, yeah, the one so release that everyone was talking about. Yeah, because I mean, now nowadays every single indie game or, or anything that's high score driven has its own high score boards and, and leaderboards and things like that. But mm-hmm. you know, all that's it's essentially all the trophies everything's meaningless because everybody's playing something else you know like i was playing uh resogun just just for the hell of it just because it'd been a long time since i picked it up and you know like two or three of my friends have have high scores on that so you can compete with that but like i bet the last time tom shepherd picked up resogun was like a couple years ago and like there like the sense of competition and community just feels kind of gone. And like, I, this is not my first time ranting about the, uh, or not even, not even like, I don't even think it's a bad thing. It's just, uh, the way that media in general seems to be headed is it's, it's a very personalized, um, you know, talking to all sorts of different, like smaller demographics rather than trying to reach a mass audience. Um, right. Well, there's not even like the water cooler. Everyone is watching this one show on, you know, it's like not, everyone's not watching this one drama on this one channel. Yeah. And so but, for me, like Overwatch last year was that kind of game, like one of those rare singular games. And I feel like this year, Breath of the Wild was sort of like that. And, you know, to a lesser extent, I've talked to a lot of people about Splatoon 2, like a I'd imagine Mario Odyssey has a chance to break through in that way. Uh, so I, I think of nothing else. I think that's sort of what's kept my excitement about the, like hour for hour. I've probably spent a lot more time on my PS4 this year. And I'm really, I can talk about that another night. Cause I, I I'm going to hop off in a second, but I do. <laughs> uh, I, I, I really like what switch has done for like the overall conversation. And stuff. So, yeah, it has been nice to be concentrated. This is why I like Game of Thrones. At least you know that a lot of people are watching it. 
Yeah, so, no, Game of Thrones is a great parallel. I I don't even necessarily love the show every week, but it's oh, it's gone to shit. But uh, we're still watching. <laughs> so yeah, cool. Well, I will. I'll talk to you guys later. Uh, I'll listen to the rest of the episode soon. Cool. <laughs> All right. Good night, guys. Thanks for jumping on. Later. All right, Neil, before we wrap things up, I, I do want to get your Breath yes. of the Wild opinions, because we, we talked sort of about parts of it, but not necessarily everything. So where where uh, where do you feel? Where, what's How are you feeling as far as, like, is this uh, this top five contender? Absolutely. I have a question. To me, it's just, it's where in that top five is this going to rank? Um, it, it's a great game. Um and it's made greater by the fact that it's such an immersive game that I can go and sit in the sunroom in the front of my house and I can play it. For the last time, I had a mobile game that was this immersive, this sort of compelling that I could do that. I, mean, I can't you think know, of most, any example mo- <laughs> at all. I can rem- think of that comes even remotely close to this is playing uh, XCOM on my iPad. Oh yeah, that's a pretty deep game, but it's still not losing yourself in a world necessarily. I'm not it, you don't think about it. I'm not, you know, it's that would turn-based strategy. It's very different. I uh I love this game. It's it's phenomenal. I'm surprised by how much I how much I love it, especially as I'm not I, I was never I've never been a Zelda game person. The last Zelda game I played, I had to figure this out. One of the DS Zeldas. Um, I don't even know what the what, which one that was last time, but that was that. It's been years since I've played anything Zelda related. Huh? Yeah, I mean, I, I was that was the first question I was going to ask. Is have been? Did you play like you played the N sixty four Zeldas or at least one of them, right? I've ever played before uh, is uh, Phantom Hourglass. That's what it was. Okay, so you, you've played like the modern interpretation of Zelda mm-hmm. before Breath of the Wild. Yes. Yeah, it's... but I mean, we're talking over a decade ago is when I played that. <laughs> they haven't changed much until now. No, it's. Um, I'm really impressed. I, I, th- it, I'm surprised by how large of a game it is i'm surprised by um how how challenging certain sections of it are i it's it's a lot of fun um it's definitely top five for me it's just a question of where it's gonna where it's gonna fall in that top five that's kind of how i felt about it the whole way i was playing and i don't see that changing um it's definitely it's a contender it's one of those everyone should have touched it or seen it or something so everyone has like something to say about it or know about it where where are you in the game right now? Uh, where am I at? I've unlocked every tower. Okay, so you've got the full map and everything. Um, I defeated the flying beast, and I'm in the camel. Okay. All right now. All right. So you th- that's the order that's so far you've done them in. That's you haven't done any of the others. No, I've just been kind of jumping around the map. Yeah, that's the most amazing thing is if you could drum up a complaint about Breath of the Wild, it's that it's so nonlinear that that can be almost intimidating because you don't 
you yeah. have too many things to do that you can get paralyzed by that. Uh, but I, oh, I just love so it. There's so much going on. And yeah, figuring out like where all those memories are. I think I've got like three memories left that I need to find still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was fun too. I enjoyed doing like the, like I ended up looking up the like last two or three because I got frustrated. Yeah. But the ones I but legitimately searched that you're for, like yeah. looking. Is I, I okay? Here's this mountain range, you know. So you're flying around trying to figure out, trying to get the best angle. Figure out, okay, this is the general angle, so it's got to be around here. Like it, definitely, you feel like a, you're sleuthing your way through the game at certain points. Yeah, and well, the nice thing about it was you could look at the picture and go, okay, where have I seen canyons and a river, yep. or where have I seen this density of forest? And uh, and and the, one of the ones I had to look up at the end of the game, I had literally never been to the jungle location. Mm-hmm. Like I actually still haven't finished, finished the game. Cause I haven't completed the final, but like I've gotten enough. I've gotten my value out of the game. Like I, someday, someday before the end of the year, I'll go back and, and beat the final boss. But like, uh, I, there was an entire area that I had unlocked and essentially never touched. Like I didn't even know. I knew there was like a beach at the bottom and there's like a jungly area with like waterfalls and stuff. I never saw it the entire time I played all of the story. And so I look, kept looking at this picture going like, man, I have no clue where this picture is because none of these features make any sense to me. Yeah, I came I came across I was doing a run through one section the other day and I came across something that some um, opponent that I had not seen yet. And I was like, what the? fuck oh. is that did you and uh, it immediately it immediately killed me and threw me back i was like well i guess i am not prepared for that area of the game yet do you remember what it was that you can you describe what you i don't feel like i feel like you're pretty late to the party on breath of the wild so if yeah, you, if you was, don't want any it was some bar that i encountered it was some what i thought it, was, it looked kind of like a centaur i think oh okay the uh the linox i think yeah they're called Right? Am I remembering that correctly? Now it's been it's been enough time since I was playing it that I can't remember. Lionel, that's what they're called. Lionels. Yeah, whatever whatever it was called, it 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 obliterated me immediately. Yep. And it's so awesome to have stuff like that in a Zelda game. It's so not what those games are like. It's that's what's so exciting about it because you you understand some of the basic rules. But enough of them are different that it makes the whole thing fun again. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great game, and uh, again, the the ability to take that somewhere I think is huge, and I think it's also yeah, I think every it's it's a sing it's one of those singular games that much conversation about it, even f- amongst people who aren't really into playing games, but are, you know, at least marginally aware of the sort of like nerdier and game pop culture sort of things. Um, I've heard so many conversations about Breath of the Wild and first to buy the system and grabbing the game immediately, um, the Best Buy employee, that saw I was immediately wanted to have a conversation about Breath of the Wild, and then 
like the person standing next to him wanted to get in on it. Today, when I was going to pick up my, my copy of Splatoon 2, the dude who checked me out was like, oh my god, please tell me you're, you're in Breath of the Wild right now. What do you think? It was like these conversations, everyone wants to talk about the game. It's yeah, it's nice to have that. Lost, that yeah. it's nice to have that single cultural touchstone event kind of thing for gaming again. It, it's it's a good feeling. Yeah, and again for for a Nintendo game. Yeah, it's shocking. All right, um, I think we the problem is we can continue talking about it forever, but I think at this point we've overstayed our welcome, or at least we overstayed what I thought we were gonna do. So I'll ask you this. Do you have any other, like, single thoughts that you want to make sure you put on here? Uh, let me tell you how refreshing it is to go and play something Nintendo-related uh, and in Breath of the Wild and Mario Kart. Coming out of the slog in some of the games I've been playing on the X- Xbox and the PS4 recently, I went from Battlefield 1 to finally opening up my copy of Gears 4, Ooh. which, oh, I get, yeah, it, 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 it was bleak. It's been bleak. So much grit. Ugh, man. So, so much grit. So much mud so everywhere. Much, so much slow moving. <laughs> yeah, it's a, that's a whole, that's a big switch right there. Ah, switch. Oh. Oh. And with that, thank you for listening, listeners. Uh, if you want to get in contact with the show, hit up our website, www.therebelpack.com. You can find us here sometimes on whatever device or pod- podcasting app you choose to listen on. Uh, and uh, so thanks, Justin, for dropping in and, uh, and letting us get some Splatoon 2 talk in while it's the hotness. And uh, thanks, Neil, for admitting openly in front of a group, and it means a lot for us to for have you share your sad, pathetic Switch story. <laughs> we all have ours, and this is the first step to recovery. Hello, my name is Neil Wagner, and I am a Nintendo Switch owner. <laughs> Hello, Neil. Oh, God. It's bad news. Thanks for listening. Thanks to you, listener, for making it this far. My name is Kaz. This has been the Rumble Pack. Game over. I swear my peers will turn green when they see me. This is my world. Y'all can fight to be Luigi. And I grind all night, call it tantric. And every time I sit down and write, I make magic. Pick up the pen and tell them what's going on around my cerebellum. And if you think you're anything more than a robin to my Batman, your skull must be quite thick. Stay silent like sidekicks while I get Blackberry bold. Cause shy guys don't get the throne, they get thrown. And what I write is gonna take me where I wanna go. Arthur becomes king like the sword and the stone and in this game i'm doing more than holding my own i'm skipping over all the levels warp zone i want it all get some greedy wario and lame saying we but i don't need two eyes to see that while i run the game boy you'll stay small portable
Thank <laughs> you.